0: Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey there, you have found a new episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for picking this podcast. Let's face it. In the world of podcasts, there are 2 million podcasts that have been started in the world. uh, And less than half of that have even had a new episode in the last few months. However, we keep going. We're at like episode number 660 or something like that. It just keeps going. I'm almost at this for seven years. Uh, On this podcast alone, I have interviewed over 600 entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and business leaders about what makes them tick and how they make waves in business. And today, we're going to talk about career strategy if you're going to be making a job change. And I'm talking to somebody today who is awesome when it comes to knowing how an executive can manage that minefield of things that happen when you're in career transition. But first, I have to thank one of the two sponsors of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Stanton Chase International one of the leading global executive search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build their senior leadership teams. And full disclosure, I work for Stanton Chase. So if your company is looking to add a key member, give me a call. All right. So today we are going to talk to Diana Alt. Now, Diana is someone who I met through my friend Justin Shank. And Justin is one of the top podcasters on the planet Talk about somebody who doesn't have pod fade. His podcast didn't die; it exploded in year two, and now he speaks all over the place around things about growth because he is uh, the expert when it comes to growth. So, if you don't listen to the growth now, uh, I'm messing up the name of his podcast, but it's like growth now movement. There it is. If you don't listen to the growth, growth. Sorry, Justin. So, if you don't listen to the growth now movement, you're totally missing out. And he also hangs out with awesome people because he introduced me to today's guest. So today we have Diana Alt and she helps people take charge of their career in a strategic way. Because if you're in transition, you want to find ideal work. You want to be valued by your new employer and you want to get paid what you're worth. If those things matter, you need to know Diana Alt. Hey, Diana, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Ah, thank you
1: so much for that fantastic introduction. I cannot wait to have it transcribed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most people fantastic. just pull the audio clip and like play it in their room as they're going to yeah. sleep. Yeah, that's
1: fantastic. It's, it's like we can set the Headspace app aside and just listen to the soothing sounds of Tom Singer that's saying right. who we are. Also, I want to know, like, when did um, Justin Shank start sponsoring your podcast? Because you pretty much made it sound like Justin was your sponsor, too.
0: He didn't. But maybe I should send him an invoice for like $400. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, I'd love to see how that works out for you. That so. would be, so <laughs> that would funny. be that fantastic. Was, that would be awesome. Justin, by the way, I talked about you on my show. Here's an invoice. You know, I I bet there's people out there who do that crap, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today, I want to talk to you about being strategic when you're in a job search. So what do we even mean by being strategic?
1: So what we mean by being strategic is looking at things from the inside out whenever you're going to make a career transition. So really what happens so often, especially with really high demand professionals that just get sick of whatever it is that they're doing, sick of their boss, sick of their industry, sick of their company in some way, is very often they will just start updating the resume, spraying it around the world, and hoping that they land the perfect job, and it doesn't work. So I advocate a really introspective approach to career transition where you do work around getting clear on what it is that you actually want as your very first step, Getting clear on the value you provide to communicate out to people. So how do you say what you're awesome at to the companies that you're targeting? And then being strategic and actually executing your search. So instead of just applying everywhere, developing lists of target companies, developing target criteria, and then really networking in a strategic way, instead of just hoping and praying and crossing your fingers that you're going to run across the right
0: opportunity. So that's really what I mean at a high level. So that's beautiful, but it's too high of a level. So let's take this step by step. Get clear on what you want. How in the world does somebody get clear on what they want? They want it all.
1: They do want it all. But very often what people talk about is one of two things, either more money or a better boss. Those are the two things that I hear about the most. And then the third is a growth opportunity. So the top two reasons that people leave companies are that they just don't get along with their boss or that they feel like they've capped out on leadership opportunity. And the thing is, whenever I talk to people very often, they just throw out, Hey, I want to grow in my career. I want to grow. I don't have anywhere to grow. And it's important to understand what that means because uh, so often we think about growth as the proverbial career ladder where you start somewhere after you got your you know, college degree and you leave with the gold watch, which hasn't even been a thing in a long time. But we think in that ladder and realistically careers are a rock wall. So we accumulate skills and we, we go sideways and then we go up and sometimes we go back and you have to understand what does growth mean to me so that you can figure out what are the gaps. Um, This happens a lot with executives. You know, somebody wants to be a CEO. It does not work to just grow from through one functional area. Right, Tom. So you can't just say, Oh, well I started in sales and I want to be the CEO of something. So I'm going to go up through the sales ranks, be sales VP and then get CEO. Nobody hires a guy that never worked And anything except for sales to be the CEO, it doesn't work. So you have to think through what does growth mean to me and what are the gaps that I need to fill for growth. And that may mean sliding over sideways into a new functional area or getting exposure in another type of business. Does that make sense?
0: No, it absolutely makes sense, but I want to dive deeper into how they get clear on how they get clear on that. I, I understand how they do it. I understand. All right. So I like to, I like
1: to work through with people Um, a a process where first I hit on are you doing the right work to begin with? And a lot of that centers around understanding. I use StrengthsFinder in my career coaching practice, and I'm not a career coach that relies heavily on assessments. A lot of them have you take the strong and the Colby and the strengths finder and the MBTI. And it's like, when do I get coached instead of taking assessments? But I have people look at their strengths finder. um, And then also I take them through a process where we look at what is your life purpose? And we ask several questions in order to figure out what's your life purpose and what are your values? And what are those things that are motivators for you? Because they tell a whole lot about why a work situation is not right. Uh, for a person. So um, we get into things whenever I'm discussing purpose, which sounds very um, (laughs) woo-woo to a lot of people. But we talk about like, what are causes that you're passionate about? And why are you passionate about them? Now, someone might be very passionate, for example, about animals. You know, they might Volunteer at animal shelters and like to adopt dogs or foster kittens or something like that. Um, that doesn't mean they have to go work in an animal related business, but we want to tap into what about that is important. And how do you marry that up with your skill set to go and find a role in an organization, you could end up in Being a leader in a hospice organization because there's empathy and taking care of people and things like that that are very similar to some of the things you tap into with animals.
0: Does that make sense? No, that that totally makes sense. So, so they start figuring out what's important to them and what they want. The second thing you said was be clear on what you value. So that's a perfect transition. How do we get clear on what we value? Um, We get clear on what we value
1: in part by looking at where you spend your time. Or where you truly wish that you were spending your time. So very often the thing that you stay up late, like reading about on social media or watching shows about on Netflix or things like that can be a clue into what you value, at least for for people that, um, you know, maybe aren't spending all the time watching the latest show on Netflix, for example. So but. I knew that I needed to spend more time pursuing career coaching after a long career in IT because I was spending time on LinkedIn in the evenings talking to people about their careers. So that was that was a great clue for me. Um, and I realized as well that I was more interested in what is the strategy to get people there than in tactics like, Becoming a resume writer simply because of the subjects that I found myself gravitating towards, so listening to yourself is a great technique, and also asking friends and family, what do you hear me talk what could, What do I not shut up about That's a really good question to ask friends and family um, so it's things like that, and some people can rattle off their values right away. Those are the easy people to work with, but very often you know they They can't. And they have to have a little help along the way, which is why coaches
0: exist. So people figure out what they want. They figure out what they value. Then you said you got to get strategic about your job search. What does that mean? How do we get strategic? So uh,
1: when when you think about this, the biggest thing that a job, when somebody, when a company is starting to hire, very often we get frustrated because the job description has a million things on it. You know, there's, they want 800 years of experience and 12 different things and, you know, several degrees and a bunch of certifications and all of this different stuff. But fundamentally, hiring is a problem solving and risk management process. So they put the holy grail out on the job description. And then what they're really looking for is who can solve my problem. And all those skills and experience are the proxy for who they think can solve their problem. So if candidates that are looking to make a job search say to themselves, what problems do I solve? And they ask their peers and they look at their track record of success, they get a much better idea of how do I communicate what it is that I actually do? And then what, then from there, you get strategic in what companies need that solved or what roles actually solve that problem. So in my career, prior to becoming a coach, I was in IT for a long time. And I figured out very early in my career that I did not like trying to keep up with all the technology that was involved in being a software developer. But I liked being the secret decoder ring between the business and technology. I got told by technical people, "You help us understand business," and I got told by business people, "You help us understand why you know what's going on behind technology." And eventually that led me into roles like business analysis and then later on product management because they're very much hybrid roles. So we look for what are the problems that someone can solve in the workplace and then target roles and companies that are interested in
0: that. So one of the things you said earlier was you talked about then getting strategic and how you network, how you write resume, et cetera. So what are the little, what are the, let's go down to the nitty gritty of day-to-day I'm looking to make a career change. I'm going to be strategic. What am I doing hour by hour, day by day?
1: Okay. So the first thing that you're doing is making yourself a target company list. So it could be by industry. It could be by company size. It could be by, I just have always thought I wanted to work there. Whatever criteria makes sense to you. You go and figure out here's a target company list of say 10 to 15 companies then you do a couple. The next thing that you do is you go and look at what is happening with those companies, which could be reading articles in the paper. It could be looking at press releases. It could be talking to friends that work there, but try to get a feel for what the landscape at those companies are. And it definitely can be looking at job postings. What are they actually hiring? If I want to be a product manager, but there's no such thing as a product manager at one of the companies, you mark that off your target list. From there, there's a two pronged approach. The first thing is that you need to get your um, you need to get your documents in order, get your papers in order. So you write a resume that is targeted towards the problem you solve, instead of being everything under the sun. I work with a lot of people in tech and engineering, and the biggest mistake that they make is thinking that they have to put everything that they've ever done since the dawn of time onto their resume. So thinking through for your resume, what is relevant to the type of job that I'm pursuing? And how do I answer the so what factor? So instead of listing, here are all the tasks that I did. And here's the 127 skills that I have, you look at what is relevant to the type of job I would pursue within my target company, target industry. Um, and then write your resume that way. I have found that when people start thinking in that, those terms, they can get rid of over half of the things that they thought they had to have on the resume. And if you um, write your resume with accomplishments, results, that so what factor being answered, then you actually don't need that much information on there. Um, long-term tech careers, two pages. For a resume, sometimes one, but that's very industry specific, but a resume doesn't have to be one page long, but it doesn't need to be longer than two pages in 95% of circumstances. So we're saying, here's what's relevant. Here's my superpowers. Here's the results that I helped a team get. And then you're starting to talk to people within those target companies in parallel.
0: So, so that brings up the net, that brings up the networking piece. Networking. How do do we do it? How do we do it? Um, The biggest thing we do
1: is we use use LinkedIn a lot, and you use the people that you actually know. I work with a surprising number of people that hate LinkedIn, but yet somehow manage to network. And you know what they do? They pick up the phone, Tom. But (laughs) what I do on LinkedIn is look for people that work in roles that are either peers or likely to be in the kind of the direct – orbit of the role that I'm going into. So for example, if you are a uh, VP of engineering and you're interested in going to work at Apple, I would look for peer VPs of engineers, other directors, but also look for people that are leaders in um, product management, sales and marketing for the types of products that you would want to work on engineering within a company like Apple either that currently are there or used to be there. And there's like, this is not a LinkedIn search tutorial, but you can find those on YouTube. So I would just go and look for, how do I find first and second degree connections that are in those types of roles within the companies that I'm interested in? I would also look at the folks that you already feel close to. This is particularly important for people that don't really feel comfortable with that proactive networking for a job search yet. Go to your friendlies. So, you know, Justin Schenk is a friendly to both of us. If we needed, either of us needed to access someone that might be in Justin's network, we would feel fairly comfortable going to him and saying, hey, this is what I'm about. This is the type of roles I'm seeking. This is the value that I bring. Who should I be talking to? And the question, who should I be talking to, is really key because instead of saying, will you introduce me to Joe Schmo?" that's, you know, the CEO or whatever role at the target company, you're leaving the conversation open to discover possible new connections. There's nothing wrong with asking for an introduction to a specific person, but you leave yourself more open to opportunities that maybe you couldn't think of right away by yourself when you ask, who else should I be talking to? I also like to do th- the same thing with target companies. So those tar- that target company list I mentioned earlier... It's not static, it flexes. As you talk about your career desires with people, asking what companies should I consider as well is a really good one. And if you're really wanting to say, go from a giant corporation into a smaller mid-sized company, a lot of times how, that's how you discover that those companies exist is by saying, hey, Tom, you know, I'm looking for a new role as a product management leader in the tech space I really want to get out of the big, giant company. You know, who should I be with? I'm interested in financial services and healthcare. And then you can say, oh, well, Acme Corporation down here in Austin has a remote workforce. Let me introduce you. That's
0: how that goes. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. So speaking of LinkedIn, so also in addition to using LinkedIn, and I think it's smart because most people don't know how to use it like you just described, figuring out who do I know? Who knows people inside those companies? but you also want to make yourself findable because people who work in executive search do searches to find candidates and many people don't, aren't findable on their LinkedIn. They don't fill out their LinkedIn properly. So what do you teach people about making themselves searchable in LinkedIn for people who are looking to fill jobs?
1: So, um, one of the things that I tell people about making yourself searchable is do not waste your headline the biggest thing, 90 something percent of people on LinkedIn have their headline right under their profile picture, say their current job title and company. So project manager at Acme Corporation. And that is kind of okay if you're really shooting for a project manager role. But there's like 200 characters or something like that on LinkedIn. I can't remember the exact amount. So you have the opportunity to put a target role, or maybe two. I wouldn't put more than two. So if you're interested in project management or program management, that's fine. I wouldn't list project management, program management, and 10 other possible roles. One to two. Industry, um, one to two. If there's a hot skill that you have, which is particularly important in tech, um, you could put that in your headline. And then a lot of times what people have started to add is a result. So this is really popular with salespeople. As they'll say, blew my quota, you know, quota buster 20% in 2020, something like that. But you're now hitting skills that they're probably searching for, job titles they're searching for, industries that they're searching for, and showing a little bit of special sauce all in your headline. So um, other people will use the I help." somebody do something format. So you could say, you know, I help sales organizations best their quota in healthcare and finance.
0: No, and you're right. It's a, it's keyword driven. And if you're not thinking about the job you want to be found for, then you might mm-hmm. not be found for it. So that's, that's exactly the advice I would give. I think, I think that's awesome. Yeah. So Diana, I have a little bit more for you before I let you go. But first I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them from almost the beginning is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves like Diana Alt. Hey, if you want to start a podcast and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Diana, we have like five or six minutes left. So I know I'm not looking for a job, but I'm gonna give you a scenario and it's partially based in truth, but let's assume that you're, you're coaching me. So let's assume that I'm paid to host three podcasts for associations and companies. I am. I'm the host of the Digital Enterprise Society podcast, the NSA National Speakers Association's Speakernomics, and Success Sales, uh, uh, Success Sales Media Media Company, uh, their podcast, the Sales Tech Podcast. I had to think about it, but it's not that creative because we talk about technology for salespeople. So I host those three. But let's assume I wanted three other companies to hire me to be their podcast host. And I didn't know what to do. I needed to get noticed by them. And granted, that's not really a career transfer as much as it is finding three more clients, but it's really the same thing when you're looking for a job. So give me some strategy tips. What should Tom do to get noticed and get found by companies who might need a really dynamic podcast host?
1: Okay, so the first thing is to say what problem you solve. So that's the first thing you need to get clear on. What problem do you solve? Okay. I help create engaging podcasts by crushing it as a host, whatever that is for you. Then I would really look at what is your target niche for what podcasts you want to host. There are certain areas where you have credibility. So... For example, you're, you have credibility in the business development space. We were talking about some consulting into that. You definitely have credit in the speaker space. You have credit um, that you're building in the talent space as well with this podcast. So I would look at two to three different types of podcasts that you look for. And then also think about the demographics now I'm not a pod podcaster myself, so I don't know, you know, what all the gold standards of downloads and how long and this and that. I'm I'm talk to Justin about that. He knows that stuff. And you probably know it better than I do. But you're basically formulating a niche. So if you're trying to get three clients, you know, you might need more than ten target companies that a person that is trying to get one job would have. But define that niche and then start going to figure out um who is in that niche now you've got your problem and you've got your people that you want to target um, I would get assets created so what's your website say what is um, whatever profiles social media that you use in order to drive that business which again will be niche dependent you know if you're trying to get b2B podcasts maybe it's LinkedIn if you, Maybe wanted to do a podcast for intro comedians, because we know about your whole open mic night thing that you did for a while. It could be Instagram or somewhere else. But pick your medium. And then from there, start looking at connection. Who do you know that work in that space? So the process is very similar.
0: No, that it wasn't it just it, it wasn't job. just free consulting I was trying to get. It was I figured that was a process and I've been yeah, I've been it, doing it, that with the last few guests. Is let's use me as the guinea pig.
1: I like it. I think that that's fun. So, and I, I'll be going, now that you've put me through that process, I'll be going to listen to a couple of episodes knowing that other people were guinea pigs for other processes. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I would do is I would look at what problem does, does Tom solve? And I would look for testimonials too. Social proof is everything. Um, and social proof is even a thing whenever you're looking at uh, just looking for a new job. It's called the recommendations section on LinkedIn. And it's actually looked at more than traditional reference checks. People look at those recommendations on LinkedIn before they even decide that they're going to interview you, whereas the traditional reference check happens closer to the offer. So figure out what your social proof is going to be by getting references from your current three podcasts.
0: So that's an awesome piece of advice that I'm going to put into effect immediately. That's that's fantastic. So Diana, if somebody is looking to be in a career transition and they realize that hiring a coach is going to help them. In fact, I've heard a statistic that people who are in transition who work with a career coach actually get jobs faster. Is that is that true? Have you heard similar?
1: That is, I have heard that. I've read a, a few different statistics in that realm, and it's 30 to 40% faster is the statistics that I've seen. So basically, if you're a $120,000 a year employee- and you hire a coach, um, that could take a nine month job search down to six months. Yeah. thirty grand. I, was I don't say, charge that's... thirty grand. <laughs> Maybe I should. No, that's right. I don't charge thirty grand. So, um, if it, if people want to get a hold of me, um, my website is Dianaalt.com. and also I am very active on LinkedIn. So I'd love for you to connect with me there. And then finally, I have a little uh, freebie giveaway for things to not put on your resume or resume don'ts, as I call it. And you can get that at dianateaches.com.
0: Nice. Teaches.com. You get a free what not to do on your resume list. And if you're looking for a career coach to help you with your transition, go to dianaalt.com. All right, Diana, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast.
1: Yes. Thanks a lot. I enjoyed it.
0: And thanks to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say this every episode. But if it wasn't for the audience, why would we do the show? So if you like the show, go tell your friends. People only find podcasts. People think, oh, it's all about your marketing and your Instagram. No, people find podcasts because someone else goes, hey, this podcast sucks less than other ones. You should listen to it. So uh, go and tell all your friends that uh, Making Waves at Sea Level is the podcast for the business world that they should be listening to. Uh, We're going to be back in a couple of days with more interviews with people just as cool as Diana. And you're thinking, what? How is that possible? but we do it every time. In the meantime, go out there, flex your business muscles. Make sure your career ladder is against the correct wall because you don't want to climb to the top and find out you were doing it all in the wrong place. And then finally, while you're out there doing all this, have some fun along the way. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.